on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Bogeyman podcast. Johnny, finally, 17 years in waiting, as she said, Leona McGuire is a winner on the PGA Tour. She has clearly been thinking about this for a long time and has capitalized and has won the drive on championship by four in the end, three in the end. It was like a five up with two holes to play, like basically had it in the bag and still managed to be annoyed enough with herself to slap herself on the thigh when she missed a five footer on the last. The lady is a machine. She's fantastic. I mean, it was... It was really, really exciting golf to watch. And for, for the last day in particular, I know that everyone, a lot of people watched on the weekend, but for, for the first two days, it was a 54-hole event. For the first two days, she just looked like she was in there from the very, very beginning. She was tied for third after the first round and then was again in the mix, I think tied for first in the second round. And then um, just, I don't want to say ran away with it, but more or less... Yeah, did run with. She was she was on her first on her own after round two. Um, yeah, yes. Then she like, could could very easily have run away with it. Like like she missed a couple of long ones for birdie uh, toward the end, but and she looked furious with herself for missing like fifteen footers for birdie when she was just closing it out like a, just a complete demon. Lexi Thompson again tried to make a run. Couldn't quite get there. She finished in second place, but I'm still bullish. Leona Maguire, either the Open or the Evian, she's going to win a major this year. I like <clears throat> you're going to have like some job convincing me that that's not going to happen. Like she's top 20 in the world. Like I will go beyond that and say, like, you're definitely talking top five in the world within 18 months without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah. If like, think Sophia Popov put up a post of Sophia Popov uh, Solheim Cup uh, compatriot of Leona Maguire's um, uh, won the Ladies Open in 2020 so pretty esteemed player in herself put out a tweet that was pretty uh, um, I was going to say it was quite not a, as hinted at the competitiveness of Leona saying that I remember when we were like 14 playing in a German amateur and you asked me to mark my ball from 120 yards out as you were playing in a wedge. And it was <laughs> something along the lines of, I was petrified of you then and I still am now. I think she's probably caught the attention of an awful lot of people, probably coming out of um, obviously her, her kind of steediness in the Solheim Cup and like, the glasses add to it. Like in, oh. in, in male golf, the glasses tend to be, um, I don't know, a little bit uh, less common, for example. But with her, it, it kind of has this kind of Batman effect or something. that it's Like just a Terminator vibe. A little bit. You don't know where she's looking, but she's looking through you. Through you, yeah. There's that kind of vibe to it. She stays 
there's an element of her and allow me this one. She really reminds me a lot of Patrick Cantley. Stays very stoic, has the respect of all of her peers, is feared by play, people she plays against and has a very similar demeanor. And um, you kind of see over time, like how Patrick Cantley's reputation has been a bit of a nice man has, has evolved. I think that is going to happen with um, with Leona because there are no great flaws within her within her game she has probably come along at a, at a time when the i suppose the dominance from an asian perspective um in in world golf has never been stronger uh you've got a couple of unbelievably strong americans in terms of daniel kang into the Corda sisters um but i think she's she's at a point where right this could be in a way the Seamus power moment now it's sort of like okay I've got this out of the way it doesn't play on her anymore probably it was the question that we probably asked about Shane after the open it's like when he's going to win again it's like she's been really good in the Solheim but when is she going to win so she, she's she's ticked that box like really quickly within kind of a few months and now it's like okay like shackles are off and go and and win as much as as she possibly can and i I'm like, like very very exciting and as well i think as well like the the groundswell of encouragement and support and i think this for her has been huge but also it's been very much aligned to seamus powers growth as well in terms of the popularity outside of Porrick, Rory, Shane. Now there's like a bit of a there's a and the, the ripples are are widening. Yeah, sure. and and there's there's good stories to come out. It's not just rich golfer gets richer. Uh, it's a case of good person does well, yeah. which which seems to be the vibe here. To be honest, um, she comes across unbelievably well in interviews. You forget she does understand the American system so well because she's been there for basically all of her life has always been groomed to to the to get to this to this point and it's an irish combo it's like with dermot Byrne and herself and yes she wasn't she couldn't have been more emphatic about his input so here's a here's a combo that's gonna hopefully stand the test of time it's already won or achieved point one and two of the master plan as we'll find out a lot about master plans in our chat with ken carney coming up uh but yeah so next next one is major and surely that's the only thing that she's zeroing her sights in on it's almost as if she did the solemn cup and the win in reverse where you'd almost expect players on the solemn cup to have won on tour and proven themselves that they'd go into a solemn cup and show why they're a superstar whereas i mean obviously she was world amateur number one for like a ridiculous amount of time 135 um, weeks yeah like and so three years <laughs> so for her her contemporaries she was already a superstar but i think when it came to the wider media people were like jesus this girl's properly good then she went and got the four and a half points out of five and mm. very much the question was asked okay like that was really good in that format but now like you're week in week out stroke play event when are you going to win? And she even said that after she after she did win, that she went home for Christmas and everyone was like, God, the song was great. You were brilliant. But like, when are you going to win? 
Yep. And yep. The, the, the weight of a nation was absolutely lifted from her shoulders there on, on Saturday. That's, um, a, that, that's strong. You know, I, 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 would, I would say so. I, I say she certainly felt it. I say everyone, everyone, when you go home back to Cavan and everyone's saying, yeah. you're going to win. Like, what do you, like, you were really good. Ah, that's, probably lad, that's probably lads wondering when they should head down to Paddy Power to have, <laughs> have a few bob on her. Really? <laughs> it gives but a heads up when you're going to yeah, win. Just, it gives a head, yeah, just, just let us know when you've decided that you're going to actually win one of these things. Um, yeah, but so the, sh- that, the shackles are off, I think. Oh, yeah, big um, time. Like we, this is probably the third week in a row now. We've been like, Leon Maguire major. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leon um, Maguire at least one major. Yeah. Oh, oh look, just let, her get, <laughs> let, her, let her get one like it, it'll be I think it's funny like from where she's come from as well like we'll talk about it later as well like particular courses like the start of 2020 I remember going out to playing C points in one of like the scratch series events and there, there she was like as humble as you like going out and playing that kind of a comp and then into the Symmetra tour and all of a sudden the Symmetra tour like snowballs gets her card and on she goes and mm. it, it and that's goes... the thing as well it's not like she got like invited straight out of college to go and nope. play straight on the LPGA like she won twice on the Symmetra tour she proved her way all the way up to where she is and um yeah you can see that the, the winners win and that's what they do yeah and like I do liken this now to <clears throat> where you see someone who 18 months ago was playing Symmetra Tour is now Solheim Cup and um, and, and, and Tour winner. And I just liken it so much to like Seamus Power's story where after another unbelievable weekend and really looked like he, up until Friday, like set the 36-hole scoring record there in at the AT&T. Um, the, point, the point around... That guy was 440 odd this to describe that in the world 18 months ago. And now he's top 10 in the FedEx Cup. So to me, it just shows like how small the 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 margin is or what kind of a like a tightrope these players walk from just having the week that matters or the couple of weeks that matter to them in terms of taking the weight off your shoulder or their shoulders as you say and actually kicking on like they're not hugely different people they're not like she hasn't had she's had the same coach since she was 12 um actually before that um it it just goes to show that the margins are so so tight for the the people that are on the fringes that it's it's why you will see guys hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there because like the one good week all of a sudden takes the pressure off and then off they go to to the races um so yeah so like huge week for golf for irish golf to be honest uh we really were looking at a a double irish win by friday evening uh leona held her her side of the best Seamus Power had just a tough couple of days in Pebble Beach after probably doing a lot of the hard work. Sorry, one tough day in Pebble Beach after doing a lot of the hard work on Spyglass and and actual Pebble Beach itself. The easy course, he actually said this in his interview on Friday, was Monterey Peninsula, which he um 
but she just couldn't get couldn't yeah couldn't get going uh greens I, I was speaking to actually emma driscoll today about it she said it was playing so tough by the time they got to saturday uh monterey peninsula around the greens the greens were in like had seen a huge amount of traffic like an enormous amount of traffic over three days if you can imagine like per group you're having obviously it's it's, it's in four balls eight four caddies four players times the normal amount of tour slots so they're seeing a huge amount by the time they got there they were bumpy and fast and just couldn't get his um just missed an awful lot on the greens and that's where he was getting as ken ken will say later uh got hard and fast and spicy and then yeah just did the, the challenge just fell away john murphy was there we got to see tons of him which was great because by default, Seamus being the leader, he was playing with him. So we got to see every pretty much every shot of John's kind of first foray into the PGA Tour. So he took the short flight from San Francisco down to Cape Town. Uh, that well-trodden path for the Challenge Tour this week. So uh, I can imagine he's all pictured no sound at the moment. Um, but yeah, How good. does that group happen? How does, like, so are John and Seamus paired together just by complete fluke? Or is that just a little bit of... You're Irish, I'm Irish. Let's... I have it on a very reliable source that that was a highly tactical positioning of uh, of of placements. Okay, cool. All eight were Irish as well, which was yeah. which was pretty cool in the group. And no, no, I I I I, I was told actually. I, I think I mentioned it in the podcast, the last one. I think that he has a favor that John Murphy had a favorable draw. Yeah. Um. That's what I was referring to because I was told that they were all going together. I think there's a few contacts quite high up in the um <clears throat> in the AT and T tournament directors with a very with it with a number of Irish people. So, and it paid off. PJ Tour did a whole slot in the Irish section. It just yep. came out on Instagram. Basically, wanted to know why there was I think it was seventy Irish following that group. Um, in total. So it obviously got the attention of a lot of people. Good for the content, man. Good for the content. And you could see they were enjoying themselves. So um, it was good. Tom Hoagie won. Um, couldn't tell you the first or last thing with Tom Hoagie. Other than that he, comes back to your point earlier. You're like, the margins are so fine. One good you week. Go. You're like, hang on for that one good week. And hang on. Tom, next be be Tom changed. Hoagie. Yeah. Be Tom Hoagie. Like um, Jordan Speak nearly fell off a cliff. Uh, when you looked at that shot, <laughs> I did see a very funny clip on this today so eighth in pebble beach plays up to a cliff that's and it is a fair old drop down and it is a steep drop down and his ball did settle very very close there probably a foot and a half maybe two foot yeah and it was a down slope towards down slope so he uh he played the shot anyway it was i would have said fairly nerve-wracking bearing in mind golf is all about getting onto your lead foot when you're hitting the ball and there was a whole lot of drama about it someone did put up a tweet saying can we just spare thought for the guy pay, getting paid 16 bucks an hour to drive a lawnmower there? <laughs> which I thought, which I thought was, which I thought was a great response to be honest. Um, Jordan's challenge fell at the, fell by the wayside. Um, everyone kind of fell off, but Tom Hoagie had a really good finish, really entertaining evening of golf, to be honest. Um, really entertaining weekend of golf. Yeah, it's very good. Are you playing golf this weekend? Um, I I'll see what the weather's like. <laughs> I played early at the weekend on Sunday, and it was oh, just forty mile an hour winds, and like it was dry at least. Um, St. Anne's is dry underfoot. There's been obviously remarkably little rain in Dublin, so 
the course is <clears throat> the course is very dry, nice and pleasant, good to go out for a chat, not good for any kind of scoring golf. And they have a nine hole counting competitions out there, and I just don't don't play in that. It's just it's, it's not the time of year for that crack. Um, how about yourself? Uh, yes, I am actually going to be playing. So we got our hands on the new Quack gear. So um, they have a really cool new hoodie and their new crew necks that have just come out. So that will be the first outing for me of the. I'm going to wear the hoodie on the golf course. I've never done that before. So we'll just see how that goes. Even just from my own swinging perspective, I don't know how I'm going to feel with a hood behind my neck. I just it's something I'm not used to. You won't notice it. Big okay. fan, big fan of using wearing a hoodie because you're not. I don't know why. Why is a hoodie even a thing? Um, for for golf, but like, yes, there's it. There's a need. Grow the game. Um, so yeah, so that that's gonna look good. It if you go on to quackgolf.com, UKWACK, um, and we will at some point have a discount code for you guys. Uh, stick with us and we'll get that off the off the lads in in uh, in quack and um yeah have a look at their new stuff it's online now yeah they're gonna have a full range of stuff coming out toward the end of march uh so you'll be getting all the really good new stuff in then and so will we so we will have that discount code for you once once things re- emerge exactly exactly uh johnny we have a hell of a treat um ken has been on with us before ken carney from kevin carney golf design um he's on with us on a panel discussion so we didn't actually get a chat to bring ken in as much as we probably would have hoped because he was let's face it in fairly esteemed company for our original golf course design chat but uh we had a great chat with ken we chatted about everything we chatted about all things good bad terrible brilliant um an interesting thing to to look out for is right at the end where he gives a few recommendations on, on what to do or where to go in ireland um he has a very uh cemented philosophy on how much you should pay for golf and where you should go and do it so yeah so enjoy guys we've got ken carney from ken carney golf design ken how are you hi dave good to, good to be with you thank you very much for coming on on a pretty drab uh tuesday but uh, a good weekend of irish golf where we got to see an awful lot of probably i was going to say seamus power as a rising star but not 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 so much in well long, longevity he's been there for a while he showed his face for a long time in, at the at&t and then leona wraps yeah. up her maiden victory yeah i suppose it was no no surprise really for leona to win i mean Everybody knows, and like it's no secret her, her abilities. Um, yeah, Seamus did great, and I think he like he'll probably win soon again. He looks like he had he well, he obviously has the game first. Plays aggressively, and I think just when he's on, he's going to win. Like he, kind of where you have to be to play on the tour successfully now is kind of streaky, and he looks like he's that kind of when he gets streaky, he can go low. Yeah, um, yeah, but Leona's win, brilliant. Yeah. Um, Anyone that's been number one amateur player in the world, you know, we, we know the pedigree. Uh, the work ethic is obviously unbelievable. Um, I do I do some work uh, around Steve Russell, some of the people there, and like he, like she's talked about and, and revered as a unbelievably hard worker. Yeah, great attitude, and you could even see when she was what four or five shots ahead coming down the finishing stretch, she was just focused, like she was like one behind. So it's, she's got a great attitude, I think. Yeah. She mentioned something in her interview after the um, 
after she had wrapped it up and she was surprisingly composed and, and measured. Um, and she said, while they were building this up as her first win, her reaction was, well, this has been a long time coming, about 17 years, actually. Yeah. So it probably gives an idea as to the mindset that she felt that, God, I probably am behind versus where I where I thought I might be in terms of time to get timings to get this to get this first win under her belt. And maybe that just gives an insight into her mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, every, like she could have turned pro so many times. Uh she she completed her studies um at Duke and it's all a process. Like I don't know, never played at her level, but it takes time to for it all to come together. And you know, obviously adding Dermot to the bag has been a huge plus. Um, you know, highly capable caddy and all those little things I think start to, you know, close the circle and 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 help in the process and getting over the line. Yeah, I thought she was so focused at the end of the tournament. It was amazing. We might dive into your own your own golf at the moment then, Ken. Um, and well, I guess the design side of it. Of, of, yeah, of your you, own you, golf. you you don't want to dive into my golf, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean you have a, a very, very successful amateur career in your own right. But um let's get into golf course design if we could. Okay. Um so I guess well let's let's start with current day. Um, many of, of um, our listeners would know that you've recently finished work on Malone Golf Club as well as many other projects. Uh, what do you have going on at the moment? And can you give us kind of top line view of a few of the, the highlights? Yeah, um, Malone, we're 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 still active. <clears throat> we're um, talking with the club at the minute, putting a design together for. Um, a short course at, at the entrance into the club. If anyone knows the entrance to Malone Golf Club, the massive mature beach and oak trees on the way in. So there's lovely ground both sides. So we're um, talking about building a wee short course there, which I think would be great. Um, hopefully it'll get the nod and go ahead. Uh, members. That's where their range is at the moment, is it? Or yeah, ground? there's practice facilities uh, both sides. And of course, we've built uh, a new practice facility and warm-up area at the back of the clubhouse. So it has freed up some space here. Um, so particularly on, on the, the lake side, you know, whether it's six little holes or whether it's nine holes, it'll be something like that, Johnny. Um, and we have to, we have some draft designs done for that. So they, they, they'll still retain the practice facility on the other side of the road, probably. Um, yeah, so Malone is still in the in in the cooking in the pot. Yeah, um, currently we're finishing up work at Clean Golf Club. Uh, we've done some remodel work there. Um, Monkstown Golf Club just about to complete. They did a really really cool short game area down there, so that's been really nice. Um, Mallow Golf Club done some remodel work over the winter there. Uh, about to go back in in a couple of weeks to start doing a new short game area for them. Uh, new practice facilities, which would be great at the near the car park. Um, just finished a bit of remodel work. We always do work in, in the wintertime in Fox Rock, done a little bit of work there. Um, one of the exciting projects, I suppose, for me uh, is I kind of have a little bit of history at Tremor Golf Club with my time playing golf at County Sligo. Um, so we won, a, we won a senior cup in a Barton Shield there 100 years ago. But Tremor Golf Club are remodeling, and we did a master plan uh, last year for them. So we've just kind of just finishing up the first phase of remodeling some bunker work there and giving the course a new a new look and a new, a new lease of life. So excited about that. Uh, course chair down there is Paul Flynn, very enthusiastic golfer. 
I think he used to be a hurler or something. I'm mm. not sure, but he's certainly a keen golfer. Um, so we're, we're there and doing some work at um, Kenturk Golf Club, about to go back in there again, hopefully. Um, did a master plan at our MAG Golf Club last year, so we've just completed some winter works there as well. So it's kind of, it's all over the country, uh, up and down, and we're doing master plans then on top of this, that previous construction work I just mentioned there. So we're doing master plans for Green Ore Golf Club, Dundalk Golf Club, Knock Golf Club in Belfast, and there's um, a few other ones I'm just not at liberty to chat much about at the minute, but one pretty exciting links course there, which I'm excited about because I don't get to do a lot of links work. So I'm really excited about that. I kind of had a, re a reputation for doing parkland work. Um, so I'd love to get working in some sand. It, it'd make a nice difference. <laughs> you must use some mileage. <laughs> yeah, I do about 80, like it's a minimum 80,000 kilometers a year. Jesus. That's, yeah. that's it. That, that role of honor, I think, or role of work. It, that reminds me of, I don't know, do you remember this clip but where um, Tiger Woods is being introduced at some tournament and the tournament announcer decides to list off all of his wins when Phil Mickelson is beside uh, him and Phil just there for out. a while. Yeah. And Phil, <laughs> Phil Mickelson just turns out, all right, we get it. Oh we yeah. I remember that clip. Yeah. It was cool. You've, you've got, you've got, <laughs> that a few was things. when you could listen to Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now you said before, I'm going to go into uh, a few bits that you touched on there and a few of your designs now, and then I'm going to go into your amateur career. I know you said you didn't want to, but I do want to get your, your <laughs> no. opinion on that. I want to no. know. I want, to, I want to get an opinion on the state, the state of the union, or state of the union, <laughs> literally, figuratively, yeah. uh, of amateur golf in the country at the moment. And the reason being, your generation turned out an unbelievable amount of very successful players, which the current generation at professional level are probably struggling to bridge that gap. But going back to something you mentioned, and it is about kind of growing golf, making golf accessible, and making golf more fun for as many people as possible. And a I've noticed you've been active on Twitter with a couple of bits and pieces like this, but it is around three whole short courses, short form of the game and practice areas. Mm. There's a few of the clubs there that seem to have embraced this very well to the point where isolated. I remember you put up a kind of a, an overhead shot of a Google earth photo, which was like three acres of land, three greens, six tee boxes. And all of a sudden you had the ability to, entertain hundreds of kids and adults of all types and and, and skills yeah. how important is that and how many clubs are kind of coming to you now and saying listen we our traditional membership is older uh we're trying to get people involved at a younger age how do we do that can you help us or is this a case of you identifying a potential piece of land for them to do and invest in long term because look membership will increase yeah a lot of stuff in that, Dave, but um, I mean, sometimes the clubs come to me, although regrettably, it's not very often. Mm. Um, I mean, traditionally in Ireland, we are kind of centered around this model of, you know, a club in a town or a club in a city, mm. and they kind of do golf, which is 18 holes and a putting green and maybe a practice facility. And, you know, I, 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 I get nosebleeds when I even hear about kids you know the kids can only play at this time and they can only do this and you know there are limitations around access to the golf courses in in very high profile and good golf clubs who have plenty of land and plenty of times on their timesheets um so 
some some clubs come to to me, Dave. Uh, typically, when I am asked in to do master plans, and you know we've probably seven or eight master plans on the board at the minute, I will if if I if any space allows, I will be always trying to to get in a little bit of a two hole, three hole. Like, like can you imagine what you can do even with two greens, double greens, double flags, eight tees around it? You can have so much fun, and you can act, act, create access to golf freely. I mean, I'm kind of ramming on about this all the time. I mean, I, I, I think golf is a really hard game. That's the, that's a starting point. It's really hard to play golf. And yes. if you ask a beginner then to put themselves up in the first tee at most traditional golf clubs, it's located at the beside the clubhouse, usually has a big window overlooking the first tee. I mean, it's a terrifying experience. Trust me, I've had some of my friends come to golf clubs, whether my own club where I'm members and whatever, and it's, it's really hard. Um, and, I, and I think this, if, if we can build these short course facilities, it's a great place to start. And the fun of somebody actually getting the ball in the air, you know, it might be with a wedge or off a tee or whatever, they start to build confidence. But it's, I think people leave the game early because they find it hard and difficult. And also, we won't even get into all the elitist stuff around golf clubs, but I think it's a hard game. And the easier we make it in the, in the first 12 months of golf, I think that's really one of the critical points, as, as well as how great short course facilities are for the expert player to work on their game. But, and, and, and then we have, of course, the demographics and people are getting older and they are staying in golf longer. And like I, I go to so many clubs, Dave, where they, you know, they'll have timesheets to be rammed. But what they're rammed with is a lot of old people who play six holes or get close to the clubhouse or play nine holes. And, and, and then the timesheet is, is destroyed for people who actually want to get on there and do want to play 18 holes. And the place is chock-a-block with people who are only really only want to get out for a walk. So if we can build six holes for people who literally just want to get out for a walk and can carry six clubs in a little pencil bag or three clubs or whatever it is, I mean, there's definitely um, opportunities for golf clubs and for golf and for golf Ireland, let's say it. I mean, this is, this is where everybody needs to be looking as far as I'm concerned. Is this an area that you thought a lot of golf courses had a facility to, to host an area like this? And like, was there a specific moment for you when you thought this is something that like the clubs will benefit from, but also like young kids or whoever else is trying to get into the game would also benefit from? Like, was there a slide indoors moment? Uh, I well, I'm I'm a dad to two girls. They're sixteen and twenty, and I can remember when they when Sinead and I, my wife, introduced them to golf. They they did like, and we we're obviously a golfing house, and our both of our parents and all our families play golf, but the girls had no interest in it because of this fear of, you know, everybody looking at them and not being able to play. And if it was a simple thing, Johnny, like what you speak to, just having a putting green where just leave 10 putters around and leave 20 balls around and let them have a go. Um, you can introduce people quite simply to golf that way. But it was really around my own kids and introducing them to the game of golf. Um, it's great. And my oldest girl, Ella, she, she went away from golf. Now, these are not really golfers and, you know, because we might, but they play, they play golf and can play golf. But Ella went away from golf and when she went, she went to college then and we we're also members in Ross's Point in County Sligo. So when they come down, we have a little mobile down there. So when they come down to us, actually Ella started to play golf again in the last two years because they've got big chipping green, they've got big putting green, they've got two putting greens, they've got a little nine-hole course that's dead flat. And... Voila, that's it. 
you know, it's it, it's not about like County Sligo has got this magnificent golf course, one of the best golf courses in the world. But what's really attractive about County Sligo is the putting green, the chipping greens, the bunker area, the little Bowmore course. All like there's so much more to golf than just playing golf on big golf courses. And should we see it every flipping weekend on TV? It's just tournament golf after tournament golf after you know on mud bath pga tour at the mud bath you know and it's, God, it's so boring isn't it let's let's see something different you're a fan of the pga roster so <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> would you have guessed i i love i love watching the ladies golf because they usually play on great golf courses and it's so much more relatable mm. I can't, I can't relate to the, to the stuff on the PGA Tour at all. Yeah, although I must say, Pebble Beach did look good at the weekend when it was getting a little bit fiery. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, going back to your your course design, how did you make the transition from player to designer? Yeah, I've been, I've, I've always kind of said this. I think it, I, I think it was when I went to County Sligo as a member in my early twenties. I was working down there, and really got to understand County Sligo as a course. And then, of course, that led on to the original architect there, well, the guy who did the read model in the twenties, late twenties, Harry Colt, who was regarded as probably the greatest architect of all time, you know, Alistair McGenzie or Donald Ross or Tillinghast or Stephen McDonald, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, people, I think if you did a poll of golfers or architects, you'll see Harry Colt pretty well at the top. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kind of got under the skin of County Sligo Golf Club and started buying some architecture books. Um, and of course, was fortunate as we are as amateur players, if you play at a decent level, like our, our provincial tournaments, like the West of Ireland is at County Sligo. And then June weekend, you go to Baltray for the East of Ireland. And then you go to, you know, the North of Ireland at Port Rush, And you go to the South of Ireland at Lynch. And, then, and, and you'll play an Irish close at wherever it might be, Westport or Carlow or wherever, you know, great golf courses. So fortunate to play great golf courses all my life. But then got to this County Sligo position and, just started asking questions, Johnny, of why, why did Colt do it this way? Why is it routed this way? And why didn't he do it that way? And um, I eventually, in my late 20s, applied for the golf course architecture program in Edinburgh and uh, was accepted on eventually. I thought I would, like, because I was playing off plus four or something, I thought I knew something about architecture, but of course I knew absolutely nothing. And the tutors there weren't slow to tell me that I knew nothing. So uh, <laughs> just to get, they gave me like some, um, you know, a reading list and stuff to go and uh, try to get to understand architecture. So I did the two-year program and it was really only a hobby. I, I, I was just interested in it as kind of anarchy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but then, yeah, it slowly kind of developed into a career. Tell us about that process. That's what I'm interested in, because if you want to go be an accountant, you're trained in management accounting and there's procedures etc etc how are you taught or encouraged to become by a university a golf course architect yeah so the european institute of golf course architects which is just an association of members they they had a program through edinburgh college of art landscape school and actually the architects came in and lectured 
Dave. That's how it, mm. that's how they do it. They they have a couple of people who kind of manage the program, but the architects come in and and they will give the lectures during the year. So there's like you go over for two or three weeks at a time, three or four times a year, whatever it might be. Um, and 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 like golf course architecture, it's a very subjective. You know, it's not, I, I always say like, it's, it's probably easier to study for engineering because it's, you know, it's so black and white. There are so many gray areas and spaces here in, in architecture that kind of, there is no right way and there is no wrong way. And it's so highly subjective. Um, so I, I don't know if you can see behind me, but like there's like, there's shelves and shelves and shelves of library books everywhere here. Um, in the office and I just I just read everything and I of course I had those great experiences of playing golf um, you know when I play golf international golf for Ireland let alone the provincial stuff and you play like I played my first home internationals in Muirfield so like <laughs> holy shit like right. what a place to start played my first matches against Peter McAvoy like it's but but the experience of going to Muirfield and playing golf and then the St. Andrews Trophy, you know, 72 hole stroke in St. Andrews. But like in all, in all reality, it was the years later that I actually understood how fortunate I was and that I started to understand it. And you read Alistair McKenzie's book, The Spirit of St. Andrews, which should be essential reading for anybody. And then you say, yeah, like the penny drops and you know, if, if somebody said today, well, we're going to design a golf course, you know, which is going to have two par threes and two par fives, and we're going to go straight out and straight back in on a flat piece of land, they'll say, well, that's going to be probably rubbish. But like St. Andrews is the most inspirational golf course in the world. So you've just got to go and experience it and understand it and Carnoustie and Darnock and Sunningdale and Usually, like, like in Ireland, we are fortunate. We have great architects have touched great, like, like it's a bit like if you see the rankings that came out during the week, like the, the great architects have touched the great golf courses. They, they don't happen by accident, you know, um, like. So if, if you were to follow like Harry Colt and if you went to his courses, like when you went to Portrush and County Down or wherever it might be, or if you went you, you know, on a Mackenzie and you did Cork Golf Club, or if you went to Tom Simpson's great golf course, you know, Carlo Golf Club, like they're like, like they're three of the greatest architects that ever lived in the golden age of architecture. And we're so fortunate that we have some of the golf courses in Ireland. So any student that wanted to learn about architecture, it's there. Just you, you gotta in, investigate it and search it and get under the skin of some of this stuff. Um, so a long-winded answer to your question, like how did they teach it? They, they, they taught it brilliantly because they're really just opening your mind. Yeah, to go down that route, then it, it in the US you will have trophy hunters who will play, go looking for for named designers, and they will say fairly superfluous things like that's a typical Ross hole. Mm. Does that exist is there is there fingerprints of, of of designers in places or is it just a case of they always do the right thing with the right piece of land that that they're presented with or are there actual traits does ken carney have a trace is there a philosophy that you that you design course by that that we would know or, or does that even exist yeah i don't know if that exists like i mean it's all 
not to be overly cliched, but I mean, you know, they say, oh, well, we work with the land that was given, but I mean, you know, um, some, some of them leave very, very heavy hands on the land as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, they, they say like Donald Ross had a typical bunker style, but, but they didn't because if you visit their courses, they're all really different. They're all different. Mm. Like Harry Cold, but, but like, I, I, I did a thesis on, on Harry Gold and, you know, I kind of think I have it down, like, there's kind of 22 or 23 typical stuff that you'd probably see in a Harry Gold course. Um, but you mightn't see it on them all. Um, but no, I, I think they, I, I think they do try to, I think they did, or they, I think any good architect will try to work with the land. Um I think if you try to fight it or if you try and fight against contours, you're going to end up with stuff that looks awkward and doesn't feel right. And I think that's why they usually did the right thing or their golf courses are ranked very highly because they usually did the right thing. I don't know if so that's what, the answer, Dave. Yeah, it, no, it's, I think that's it. It kind of sounds like a good architect shouldn't have a typical style of writing yeah. because they should be using what's there. Yeah, well... That's it, Johnny, you know, but if like I like I don't do I don't actually do much routing of golf courses because there are no new golf courses getting built in Ireland. But Tom Doak got to do one up in Donegal for, you know, with the Casey family and good for him. Um, but, you know, if you go and look at Harry Cole golf courses, or, like, if for example, if you even take Fox Rock Golf Club, mm. you know, it, it's routed in a clockwise fashion. So he got he got the boundary on the left hand side. He understood that this was going to be a popular residential area. So good golf courses are well routed. And um, yeah, I don't think they have a style, but not to overkill it, but they usually get it right. Yeah, it's just that the, I was just thinking of certain certain holes in you. We've mentioned Sligo a number of times and it, it's just you could never do anything better than what they would have he would have potentially done with 17 for example um, yeah. and and given given the the piece of land that was beside him or or around him that 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 was inherently the right thing to do so no i just wanted to completely dispel because i can think it's complete bullshit the people who say that that is such a typical donald ross or i i just think it's it's absolutely ridiculous to to um there, there might be as you said there might be certain traits of things that they might put in certain courses but they're not it's not like they just have a hole that they just plonk in the middle of a of, of a site whether it whether it suits or not yeah they, like, i don't think you could pick out you know a, a good architect you know you could you could you probably just couldn't say you know that's a eddie hackett hole or whatever it might be you know but but hackett would like he his traits would be that he did very little to the land. To the land, but, yeah, yeah. But of course, he had absolutely no budgets, and they had absolutely no big machinery for doing it. So he he just kind of like he, well, like like he said, I literally just worked with the, what the good Lord gave me, and that's what he did. But that that was Hackett. But you but you might get another architect today who go into the same site, and they'll absolutely blow it up and pull it asunder, and they'll move hundreds of thousands of cubes of material and. Um, so they, they 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 will have a style probably or, or or they'll have some stuff that they'll generally be doing all of the time, um, and then other architects are renowned for doing something different, but that's kind of their trait. Uh, this question then seems completely counterintuitive, uh, given what we just 
spoke about or or maybe even contentious um you've spoken about you've done your thesis on harry Cole, but in ireland or well around the world who is your that in courses that you've played that you've enjoyed the most could that be a decent barometer of of who you prefer as a designer is there is there a trend to you of places you play and just gone wow god that was just really really good really enjoyable for various different reasons but who would that be in terms of who you yeah yeah for, for, yeah for for me it's it's harry gold i mean i have a very because that was what stirred me the first time mm. around golf architecture and at county sligo and um like i i i think i understand as well as you can understand somebody who operated in the early 1900s um i think i understand harry cold as well as anybody understands him um like i've really got under the skin of harry cold as like he he only wrote the kind of one book and another little couple of chapters on another piece but um yeah i i his golf courses like if anyone like we've just done all that ranking stuff there recently in irish golfer with john and and um peter um like and i, and I will put my hands up like i Baltray for me is a it's a tom simpson golf course but i think it's a little bit different and then tom simpson did carlo golf club so as an architect he's great but uh, harry harry Coles like did port rush and and did county sligo and for me they're among the best golf courses in the country so uh anytime i'm asked to go and if it's a harry Coles or a tom simpson i'm all in very good so going back to your own uh design what was the first project or course that you worked on when you did then graduate whoa johnny <laughs> i i will remember um castle Barna golf club the owners at the time asked me to go and have a look at a bunker that they were thinking of remodeling and actually i don't know if they ever did it but i did up some drawings and i did up some plans for them um castle Barna was my first little project yeah man that was so long ago a bunker yes a bunker dave yeah is it is it still there i have no idea i must go and see is it yeah i have no idea if it's still there it's so long ago like i'm um it's over 22 years ago maybe what was the one that 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 you were like i am now a design golf course designer what was that one that was like okay yeah i've, I've got this and i can do this yeah but actually one of the biggest projects i, I don't know how many years ago it must be 10 or 12 years ago mount bellew golf club in county galway extended from 9 to 18 and um like it's a, it's a course that's run on like it's a, it's a smallish provincial club um run on tight tight rain i'd say um but we did it what I think was a really, really, really brilliant routing and a really cool job and a lovely build there. Like I was really excited. So that was like, that went on for a whole year and, you know, the excitement of bulldozers and, you know, uh, you know, a, a 25 dumpers on twin wheels because the ground was so soft and trying to come up with a root zone that was going to work on the tees. And you know, it was really uh, kind of, it was a complex enough piece of work because it was really in bogland. Um, so that was, that was a, a a tough test and it was still one of the biggest projects I've done. Um, so that was when I knew that I was really getting into some heady stuff. Um, so I, I don't even know that could be 10 or 12 years ago. 
Um, and then lots of remodel stuff every year. It just gets more and more. Yeah. So when you're doing that, the remodel then from nine to 18 holes, um, is there, is there a moment where you're like, when you're doing the routing, is there any particular aspects of, of that land that you were looking at that you were like from a, a psychological side for the, like, who, who are you building the course for in your mind? Is it like elite players or is it kind of everyone? And how do you find that balance in between when it comes to, to the routing itself? Yeah. Uh, no, well, I, I try not to build for elite players. You know, it's it's a member. These are all member clubs that I work in. Like until until the European Tour or that whatever they call it now, DP Tour, whatever it is, or the PGA Tour, ring me and say we want you to design a course. You know, uh, all, all all my work is from member clubs. But you're all, you're obviously trying to design it for, you know, the plus handicap player, the expert. Give them some some strategies. Uh, you're trying to design it for you know whoever that. 16, 18 handicapped gentleman is and whether he's 20 years of age or 80 years of age or 90 years of age and the ladies and the kids. So it's a complex enough process, Johnny, but you know, I, I think the mistake is sometimes made when you're trying to do too much. Like I've spoken about this and written about this that very often less is more. And if you keep it pretty simple and you just build some strategies uh, and you try and build a strategy from the green back, you know, John, John Lowe, I think it was the famous architect in 19... No, it wasn't. I can't remember who it was. Said that uh, it might have been C.B. McDonald. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, greens are to golf courses what faces are to portraits. So it's really all about the green complex. And if you get some nice strategy around the green complex and work it back towards the tee, and then you try and position the tees, um, you know, that I can challenge you as a long hitter, and another set of tees then for somebody who's a medium hitter and then short hitters. And that's really the process. So I have been reading through Tom Doak's book, The Anatomy of a Golf Course. Good, good book. And um, I've got to, I've got to the chapter on uh, psychology of a, of a golf course design, I think it is. Um, so there's a section. So yeah, it's the psychology of design, chapter five. So I'm not that far into it, admittedly, but I'm, in, I'm into it. Okay. And he talked about the the semi blind short par fours, which kind of dog leg to the right. So um, he used his hole um, on a high point, yeah, uh, as an as an example of of one of the holes, which was just all of the intricacies of the hole, as as you mentioned there, do all come from the the green complex and the the defenses of the green and one hole that jumped out to me from recent memory was actually at the Slink Dubai Desert Classic, the 17th hole, which is a semi-blind tee shot into a hole where all of the defenses appeared to be in and around the green, where you could try and take it on. There was huge risk. Or if you're not as big a hitter, like we'll say Richard Bland, who played short and then Mm. ended up making his birdie. Holes like that are, are fascinating holes. And what's, I, I would love to see or, or hear what the, the process is of like coming up with a hole like that, that can cater to and challenge everyone regardless of their abilities. Yeah. And did the green complexes are where it starts. So, so like I mentioned earlier, how inspirational St. Andrews was for me. I mean, 
how boring the 17th hole would be if the green just sat directly like and, and typically this is kind of the way greens are built certainly in ireland where the green is just facing you and it's like maybe 15 meters wide and it's 30 meters long and it tilts from back to front i mean that's 98 percent of the greens in ireland um whereas <laughs> you know the 17th green at st andrews just sits like really you know it's so shallow and it tilts a little bit from front a little bit right to left kind of to help you to feed it a little bit but it's about you know distance control it's about trajectory control it's about accuracy it's asking all those individual questions um so i i i do start at the green complexes um in when i'm designing um and then i work back from there but like tom tom doak no better guy like he can actually verbalize it a million times better than i can of course but um it's it, it's a complex um process um it, um and you know people then litter both sides of the hole with bunkering instead of and a lot of it comes from fairways that are so narrow now that the only strategy is to hit it straight whereas imagine the strategy like is that the fairways correctly you know mown out to 40 meters wide instead of 18 or 20 whereas if you can get it up the left side close to that bunker that that's going to give you the best angle into that right hand pin but so much of the strategy is it's narrow it's asking you to hit one thing you got to bomb it and, and and you know but it's got to be only straight i mean that is such a boring way to play golf there seems like there's a huge amount of creativity that's involved in course design because obviously for that, that particular particular example you're talking about going from a nine to an 18 all course there's nothing there in front of you apart from like the land is completely bare there's no corridors or anything apart from what's yeah. naturally there to to come up with that um and to have a whole kind of written down on on drawn down on paper how, how satisfying is that because you must see it go from your mind's eye down to paper and then again from paper to actually having ground like grass built. zone yeah built must be a hugely satisfying experience it's great uh and it's um you know it it whenever um, if you take any of the remodels at Malone or any of the clubs I've worked in or D or Dundalk, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where it starts off, you know, we build some scale maps. So it could be one to 2000 or whatever. Like I've got some drawings here for green or golf club, but the complexity is that it's actually a 3d process. So, you know, I, I might design something and then when you, actually get on the ground on the ground and you see some contours and and there could be only you know 200 mil or something but that can make all the difference in the the final production but like i'm not saying that this is the right way to do it but like we 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 will design it in in 2d and then when it comes to doing the detailed actual construction of particularly greens and bunkers that's a topographical and a grading plan and i behind me is this the sandbox, Ken? The sandbox. The sandbox. <laughs> oh, I just want, the sandbox I, I, is here. I only wanted to. Talk, I want to talk about the sandbox. <laughs> I've seen uh, it on Twitter more times. I think it's actually your your calling card on Twitter. Yeah. So, like, I, I, but I'll, I, when I have my grading plans done and my detailed drawings done, I'll get the sandbox out and I'll start thinking about how that's going to look on the ground. And uh, we bring it. I'll throw it in the back of the jeep sometimes and bring it with me to the contractor and the shaper and say like 
like there's the technical drawing but this is actually how i want it to look <laughs> so uh, that, that's actually what happens sometimes yeah and when it's delivered like johnny says it's uh, it's very exciting i mean i feel honored and privileged to get the opportunity to do it it's great they are things that like they last through generations as well bar because a club usually has just one go at kind of a redesign i suppose really financially because yeah. so so there is a legacy piece to it um and then in terms like ugh, i i kind of kind of kind of spoken about this but in terms of the places that you're like god i did a really good job with that i know you mentioned my value previously but what would be the one thus far like god there's a lot more to come in terms of designs or redesigns or facelifts or whatever you want to call them but yeah currently what would be the one that you'd look back on and go well that was <laughs> i am pretty good <laughs> I'll uh, hang my hat on that course yeah yeah if like uh, someone was to show up and they or you were to send somebody it's like there go and have a look at that one um yeah i i, I do send some potential clients to particular golf courses but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's such like... a highly subjective um kind of place to go um like like i always think about architecture it's like um you know, if you if you had Frank Geary who built your house, well, you'll be inviting all your pals over to it, won't you? Like, because it'll probably be the coolest house in the city or in the town. <laughs> um, but um, like, I don't know that everybody will want to go and see my golf courses. But um, I think I think golfers have a relationship with golf courses, and and you know, I think they play golf with their with their senses and particularly the, their eyes. So if you bring them to a beautiful place, they'll probably be blown away by the work you did there anyway. And like the work that we did as at um low and golf club i mean i i but of course it's a beautiful site like you know and it's got this huge 35 acre lake and it's got these majestic trees around it although we took out a lot of the not so clever trees um but it's a and beautiful contours rolling ground and i i think the work that we did there before lockdown and during lockdown we were really fortunate we got to work there during lockdown in the club just made a call there that said you know, we'd built a master plan that was for over a number of years. And they said, well, look, at now that we're locked down and we can't golf, can you come in and actually, can you actually nail a lot of this work in one go and one pass? So that's what we did. But yeah, um, Dave, the work that I did, that we did at, at, um, at Malone is pretty cool, I think. I actually love it. I mean, I would love to play golf there every day myself. So maybe that's a good test. So that, that stands the test of did the right thing with the right place. Yeah, it's really nice. It's lovely, and of course they go. present it beautifully, which is uh, which is a lot of it. Um, I always say the greenkeepers actually make me look really good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> how how much time was taken off that production process then by getting to actually work through lockdown? Because obviously, you in a regular world would have to take into account the footfall on a regular golf course, but when a course is closed during lockdown. You don't have that obstacle. How how much time did that give you? Well, well there was nobody on site, only only members out walking around with their dogs. So mm. I mean, the, the opportunity. No, no matter how accommodating the club is or the members are, Johnny, there's always you're always slowed down by golfers uh, and and stuff going on around you. So to get the opportunity to go in and just spend four or five months on site, it was absolutely brilliant you know but typically that process probably would have the club might have said well we're comfortable to do you know a couple of greens this year maybe a couple of tees this year we might do a couple of bunkers and 
Okay. Yeah. It, it, you know, golf clubs are busy. You know, I was at a golf club there the last uh, uh, yesterday morning, and we were talking about like phases of works, and like it's so hard for the golf club to convince their members to give up. You know, well, look, we're going to close down nine holes this winter. Guys get kind of pretty chirpy when you tell them, well, by the way, we're going to close down nine holes for three or four months and you're not going to get back on it until May of next year. And it is, it's a difficult, like, but I, I think if it's, if members understand what lies ahead and, and the upside and what they're going to actually get, I think they buy into the process pretty quickly. And, you know, there's some magic, a little bit of education to be done sometimes of people, not that you have to convince them to do it, but the upside of doing it quickly as well is great because you're not all of a sudden you're not going to have this going on for five or six years. We can get it nailed in a couple of years. Yeah, so that that really did save you years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible. Even from the like the, the playing members' perspective, to get to then come back after those few months and see what had been achieved and what is a very short period of time. That's that's stunning, and to be able to get to experience it in a much shorter or a much like much faster than they had anticipated is that yeah so they came back to like a brand new wasn't brand, it wasn't all brand new but there was lots of new stuff done there for them yeah wow it's great we might get on to you referenced it a few times the um the irish golf magazine released a list of the top 100 golf courses and it is definitely a subjective list and is a uh you made it. You made a grimace there, which I'm going to follow up on. But it's a, it's almost an unfair task to to have to pick the, the it's best. Im- it's impossible. Well, exactly. It's, it's impossible. impossible. Yeah. And the biggest cop out is that there's a panel of six of you or eight of you, so that none of you can actually take the the blame for it. <laughs> I, I don't accept any blame for any of this stuff. <laughs> okay, which ones were yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know all the Harry Clubs ones were. were <laughs> up at the top yeah, yeah. so the, the, the list of 100 is there for everyone seeing they can have a look at it what were the ones maybe ken in your view that and i'm not asking you to take the ones out potentially but what were ones that were maybe in your view should have been there because everyone will have a couple that they would have liked so just to give us an idea of, of where your preferences lie okay I, I, I think these rankings, like I actually don't like rankings so much. People love rankings, though. I know. Oh, they like, love, they love, love lists. lists. They love it. Lists, <laughs> lists and rankings. I can't tell you how many WhatsApp messages I've got this week. <laughs> and it's only Tuesday after evening. Uh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, I yeah. think rankings should be like, well, there's probably the top 10 courses in the country. <laughs> that, and that's it. And then there's probably 11 to 30, maybe. There's a grouping. Like, I don't know how you can say number, I'm looking at it here because I knew you were going to raise this. <laughs> like, like, like how how is Mount Juliet number 28? Like, is it not a little bit better than 27? Or is it, you know, is Connemara a bit pissed that they're not at number 28? They're behind Mount Juliet, right? Yeah, it's highly subjective. Um, for me, look at... Uh, you know, maybe the true test of golf is how many rounds were played at a course, but then you're into kind of geog- geographical areas and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, and and you know the stuff that really, and this is kind of talking against what I've just spoken about. But when it comes to rankings, I mean, shit, it, it's stuff like you know the lakes and stripy fairways and 
colorful flowers around the tea pads and all that kind of stuff. That's actually what turns people on in a lot of cases. I mean, golfers do play golf with their eyes. Um, and for me, then I'm saying, I really understand the strategy of that hole. I actually know what the guy was, or the girl was trying to tell me to do here. And, you know, what are the options and what are the penalties and what are the risks and what are the rewards? And, um, and I'm not trying to get out of the rankings stuff, but like, you know, you know, when I rank a golf course, I know the one I love to be number one. And I think that's just because there's probably something in there, Dave, that you can't quantify. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, you can't put your finger on that particular thing that makes that, fuck, that's really cool golf course. Like, that's a brilliant golf course. Like, you know, I actually think that Carlo is probably mm. the best parkland golf course in the country. But, like, it's ranked at 30 something. Like, I mean, I can't believe some of the golf courses are ahead of it. But that's the purpose of the, the committee and the judging panel. And that's why it probably functions pretty well. Um, but doesn't matter how much I might jump up and down about that because not other people, other people think that, you know, Adair Manor is the coolest golf course in the country. Hey, you know, you know, is the cake club better than Carlo? Is Westport better than Carlo? I, I don't know. Is Westport better than you won an Irish club in Westport, so you're completely biased. Yeah, I think Westport's a brilliant golf course. They just don't have the budgets that other clubs have. Just because your name's on the wall. When I go and play there, I think, man, that's a really, like, it it is a really great golf course. But if they Mm. had a 200 grand a year budget to maintain their golf course for their inputs, it'll look completely different. And it's the look of stuff that that gets people's juices going a lot of the time. And it looks fantastic in photographs and, do you know? Yeah. Well, so you, yeah. you said something there. You said that that's a really great golf course. What what for you makes a great golf course? So purely down to routing and viewing experience, or or, or what is it? Because that's obviously the, like what this list is trying to possibly yeah. get at. But it's it's like it's that. It's very hard to quantify it, Johnny, or to nail down exactly what it is. But it's probably. For me, it's probably great green complexes. Like I understand the green complexes, um, you know, you know, um, good sets of par threes are really a good place to start. So do the par threes all go in different directions or in different lengths? And are they asking you for different shots? Um, and the strategies then, but the strategies sometimes get lost over time. You know, if you look at particular holes, they just get too narrow and they get, too claustrophobic and they kind of lose their way a little bit and the options are lost i mean harry gold was one of the he went from the old school of golf was what we called penal design which was like just a bunker in front of the tee which was really hard to carry and if you didn't carry it you were stuck in the bunker trashing it about for 10 minutes harry cold said well if i actually put the bunkers out to the sides here a little bit and if you can get your tee shot really close to that bunker, or even if you can get it past or carry it, you, you gain an advantage. So that's kind of to go from the penal to the strategic school of golf. And, and there are still some penal designers out there. Um, the strategic is obviously far more interesting and far more intellectual, probably, from a golfer's perspective. So when I'm doing plans for other golf courses or I'm talking to them, I'm always, I always talk about engaging the golfer get them engaged, make it interesting, start asking them questions rather than just standing up and every tee shot is just like 
wallop with a driver. Maybe I've got to get a two iron into that corner to get a to get a position, whatever. So for me, golf is about if it does it, you know, if, if it inspires me and if it engages me, like I'm I'm all in. I, I hate golf courses that are just hard or long. Um like I just don't get that at all. So I'm not answer I'm not probably giving you the answer you want because I think it's hard to quantify it, but think it's strategic and it's engaging and it's interesting and it's enjoyable and fun and um, mm-hmm. um, playable and all that kind of stuff yeah um, the, the, what you brought up something there and kind of designs and redesigns that, that happen and, and there are penal designers out there and I suppose I would have grown up on a course that was very close to you which is Athlone Golf Club which the original design if you remember back to kind of when it was at its peak and it was so so good and so enjoyable and then was turned into an animal of a place like a complete beast um like four probably five holes lengthened and and took some of the quirky small holes out of it which was very much the fabric and the character of a place what's your opinion on people who go in and and do that because to me like the course in athlone became unplayable for the members completely unplayable they and, and the, the the whole place suffered as a, as a result because no one wants to play such a hard place anymore whereas if they had the course they had then now it would it, be like the that, most now exactly and that to me it gets my goat up of people who go in and it was actually in fairness it was it was the view of eddie hackett at the time to make the course harder what is going through people's minds when when they do that is it is it was it an is it an ego thing is it that i can make this as hard as possible or um is it is it just a few select examples when it's when it's when people get it wrong uh there are plenty of examples where they got it wrong dave i mean it was um was kind of in vogue uh you know in the 80s 90s to clubs i was going to say when they had money but they they were probably borrowing the bulk of the money to do those projects at the time whether they were vanity projects for committees or not um that's debatable um i think they certainly got a lot of it wrong um you know um sometimes they they don't actually understand what they have you know the golf has an intimacy to it as well if you play in small courses like if you go to the castle golf course you know it's a small yeah. intimate interesting harry cold well, well it was a harry cold <laughs> was, uh, but, yeah. but you know it, it, that, that interesting like i one of the best places i played last year was at warren point golf club mm. like I, th- I think it's 80 acres they have 18 holes they've got a six hole short course they've got a practice area and practice putting green but the and there's some crossings and all that but that doesn't matter um it's interesting and it's and it's strategic and it's quirky and like sure the easiest thing in the world i always say is to make it hard sure any donkey can make it hard like that's not difficult but i mean shit let's make it interesting or strategic or let's let's engage these guys in their brains rather than their brawn like i and i know at the one golf club and I, I played an open day down there with some friends of mine and the par three across at the end over, over the lake. Like sure. One of my buddies was into the wind. It was 190 yards. Couldn't get across in a stroke play event. And well, that was it. Mm-hmm. Like he, and there was no place to land it at that time. I know they opened up the left side a little bit after, but 
Um, I think a lot of, I, I, I don't know. And that's why I think master plans are really important because you don't have committees or vanity projects. If you build a master plan and you're doing the right thing, the committee that comes in in, ten, in six years time or seven years time, pick up the plan and say, well, the previous guys have knocked off the first 53 pieces and we still have this to do. And like, we're all on the right track here and we're all engaged with it and we know what we're doing and we're not going to go mental and do the crazy stuff. We're just going to get it right. Um, but if you have um, that stuff, there was plenty of cases of that and, and, and legacy debt and all that kind of stuff, which is difficult for small mm. clubs and provincial clubs to manage. Have you had any, you may not be able to say this at all, but have you had any experience of a committee member going rogue off the master plans and heading out to the course with a saw to be like, I hate this tree, we're taking this tree down? Oh yeah, there's been some examples, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and some people planting trees where you don't want them either. Um, ah, yeah, you'll you, you'll have that, but um, very seldom. The, the master plans are highly detailed and scoped out year, year on year. So, you know, it's it's itemized. You know, one point one could be to, you know, get rid of that silly seat at the first tee or something, or you know, perf stuff that's hanging around tees and signage and all and you know remodel a bunker at the first hole and that might be it or take out some trees so it's, it's itemized and you know there's a number attached to it which is the budget price for doing the work and where it's going to happen in the program so it's literally once it's all agreed it's literally a box ticking exercise that's done that's done and that's done we have nothing else to do with the first fixed um but there are people who go a bit left field, go AWOL, yeah, yeah. But sure, look, isn't that slight? I'm a bit AWOL myself. That's <laughs> okay. Um, I, I might, I don't know, Dave, if you've much, much more to add from this, but from, from my side, I, I'd like to kind of, I'd like to get homework from you, essentially, for, for anyone going out playing this weekend. For anyone that may not be as attuned with course design or what makes a good design of a whole what what's one thing you should you would say to us going out playing this weekend to keep an eye out for or to try and pay attention to when we're playing the round of golf yeah i i, I think if you just ask yourself of course if you just ask yourself what was the architect or the person who laid out the golf course what were they asking me to do and that kind of gets to course management and i i have this view of myself as a player when I was able to play that I was particularly successful on really fast golf courses. Um, so if you take Baltray, for example, I won two East of Ireland's, but I, like, I actually understood what Tom Simpson was asking me to do or trying to get the golfer to do and how he had laid out the golf course. So if you understand what the architect is asking you, if you understand the strategy of the whole. Now, Johnny, that then leads to flipping most golf courses are too narrow and there isn't enough room to hit it so the strategy is just hit it straight but maybe the strategy is to hit a hybrid off the tee instead of driver maybe you gain a distinct advantage by being on the fairway um and you know consider the angles of the green and consider where the hole position is and as you're walking up the third hole if you can see the seventh green or take a look over and see where the pin is and try and position your tee shot to to gain the best angle into the green yeah no, I was going to go into just very briefly, and it's more <clears throat> how spoiled we are from an amateur perspective. You touched on it, and your wins have all come at very, very cool places um, in terms of 
the courses that you won at. Um, I think we probably take for granted from the amateur side, lads and girls, the, the quality of the places that we get to play. But one thing I wanted to bring up was um, the importance of the actual Irish close in terms of highlighting more courses that people wouldn't understand. The reason I wanted to bring this up was because for the first time, having grown up in Athlone, it's only like a kick across the road, was Tullamore, for example, um, which held the close this year, which is a James Braid course. Knew nothing about it, never been there, and got there and was kind of completely blown away by how good the place is. It's great, of course. That year or that generation of Irish course, which was built through real woodland, parkland, Mm. and... It is very mature and I can't Athlone obviously going back to that within that Carlo very very in, in a similar guise um, where would you recommend people to go I, I think we, we mentioned Carlo and sort of more there but where would you recommend people to go now say there's a lot of kind of people who are weekend travellers now go off with their four ball and they'll be able to pick up a tea time somewhere give us a few real hidden gems to, to go and visit that, that you've come across oh Dave you've caught me off guard let me see <laughs> well you've mentioned Tullamore I mean it's a fantastic I think if you were to if you if you go online and you were to list James Braid golf courses mm. like he did Mullingar and he did Tullamore he did lots of golf courses around Ireland he did Waterford or no Willie Park did Waterford originally so like if you if you went online and 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 uh, you know list the golf courses by James Braid and you know um, if you if you were to follow Eddie Hackett's golf courses you would be playing good golf courses really solid good golf courses um, but like the, the the premiership of golf architects have touched lots of golf courses in Ireland like Alistair mm. McKenzie do you know who did Augusta National but Galway. Did, well, not really. Did he, Harry did he not do golf? Yeah. That's not. That's bloody hell. What did the web, the website says he did it. Yeah. I, I know that one's. I don't think that's up for debate much anymore. <laughs> I think that one's been pretty well nailed down. Yeah. All right. Okay. But if you like, if you were to follow the great architects around, you, yeah, you'll you'll see they've been on places that we kind of. You know, Mackenzie has a Cork Golf Club. I mean, it's an unbelievably brilliant golf course, Cork yeah. Golf Club, Little Island. But people who go to Cork probably will go and play Old Head. Or and Fota. their next visit mm. might be Fota. Yeah. And they'll get out of town. And they've actually driven by the best golf course, you know, in the county. I mean, <laughs> Christ, it's just such a brilliant golf course. Um, it would be an interesting thing to do, actually, to compile the list by designer and say, listen, go and do your summer of... Harry yeah. Colt courses, James Bray courses, or Alistair McKenzie courses. Actually, yeah, there you go. So I mean, I, I can pick a designer. I, go. I I can jump up now and, and and get the golf course booked by Ron Witten and tell you what cor- golf courses they've done because they're listed on it. Let's get but that it, book. Yeah, uh, you know, so you, you can go to any architect and it'll list down what courses done in the UK, in America, Canada, Netherlands, whatever, um, and and Ireland, obviously, in Northern Ireland. So, but. See, unfortunately, like if you're if you're if you're following that top twenty stuff in the rankings, it's like, I mean, holy shit, who's going to pay two hundred and whatever for a round of golf? Are you kidding me? It's yeah. madness. It's madness, isn't it? Like, like when you can go to Corbulus and play a brilliant golf course by a brilliant architect, like, 
I, I don't know. Um, that, I think that's as much fun as going anywhere else. You know, I'm not going to start naming those golf clubs that are, you know, charging big fees. Good for them if they can, but just great golf. Like I love going to Mulrani to play golf. Like when Sinead and I go for a night or, a night away, we go to Westport and we'll actually play golf at Ackle and Mulrani, and a game at Westport maybe the following day. Have a few points on the way, whatever. Do you know, like Mulrani is brilliant golf. Mm-hmm. But people would be, you know, they'd be peeing down on me, pissing on me, saying, why, why would you go and play there? But they don't understand how interesting golf can be on a particular landscape. Like, it's incredible. Incredible contours. Great place to play golf. People should do it. Do it. I feel like a round of golf would be a lot of fun with you, Ken. You'd just be eye-opening. Yeah, well, people don't like playing. My friends don't even like playing with me because it's just <laughs> such a, it's just such a rant when I'm when I'm out there and I'm saying, oh man, if they just cut it back five yards there, it'd be just make that green complex so much more interesting. But do you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I, like, I, I, I always say, without good architecture, there's the golf isn't really good. But definitely, without great architecture, there's no great golf. Like great architecture equals great golf. There's another bullshit story going on that, you know, long equals good or hard equals good or expensive equals good. Like that's all dung. Great golf is found all over the country in the most intimate golf courses, you know, whether it be Esker Hills or if we had the old Athlone or, you know, there's great golf around the place in small towns, Tubber Curry, nine, brilliant nine hole golf course. Nobody talks about it. There you go, guys. You got to go visit all those courses. Now. That's great. Follow the architects. Yeah, Follow it's the usually architects. a good place to start. Ken, thank you so much for that. That was brilliant. I'll let you finish off with that one. That was a, a good way to, to round it out. That was brilliant. Thanks, Ken. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Johnny. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 